0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The latest information and analysis of major events from around the world. You're listening to Compass with Jason Oborn on today's news talk, TNT Radio.
1: Hello and welcome. To Compass, this is your global news hour. Compass is dedicated to pursuing the news of the day from multiple sources from around the world. Furthermore, whilst we follow the mainstream and follow the facts, this also means a healthy dose of news not shown on the mainstream, making this bulletin your go-to for the daily reality and latest information. On today's show, startling revelations that Anthony Fauci's deputy was both hiding and deleting emails to avoid scrutiny as Dr Peter McCullough explains that the COVID narrative was set up by a syndicate. Meantime, we explore the origins of the virus in today's deep dive later in the hour. And Elon Musk is suing Media Matters, the left-wing media group created by David Brock, forever known as the former lover of Comet Ping Pong's James Alephantis. Brock left Media Matters last November. Donald Trump has praised House Speaker Mike Johnson for releasing January 6 footage. Following the outage of Australia's second largest telco about a week ago, its CEO has resigned in Optus. But first today, the US has demanded the immediate release of an Israeli ship hijacked by Tehran-backed Houthi rebels in the Red Sea on Sunday amid fears of a widening regional conflict. The militants reappelled from a helicopter onto the deck of the cargo ship retaliatory hijacking because of Israel's conflict in Gaza. Israel said the hijacking of the ship with 25 crew was a very grave incident of global consequence. The US National Security Council said in a statement, the Houthis seizure of the vessel Galaxy Leader in the Red Sea is a flagrant violation of international law. We demand the immediate release of the ship and its crew. We will consult with our UN partners for the appropriate next steps we strongly condemn the iranian attack against an international ship mr netanyahu's office said noting that it was hijacked on iranian whim by the houthi militia in yemen the ship departed to turkey on its way to india staffed by civilians of various nationalities not including israelis it is not an israeli ship This is another Iranian act of terrorism that represents an escalation in Iran's belligerence against the citizens of the free world, with international ramifications for the security of global shipping routes. However, registration papers in the Isle of Man show that the ship's owners are Ray Car Carriers, a company founded by Abraham Rami Ungar, who is known as one of the richest men in Israel. Times of Israel reported that Mr Ungar is aware of the incident, but he's not able to comment paper also reported that he is closely linked to Yossi Cohen, the former director of Israel's Mossad. Sunday's hijacking, which took place off the coast of Yemen, comes a day after the Houthis issued dramatic warnings that we will sink your ships with a graphic of an Israeli commercial ship on fire. The hijacked ship was attacked by a team of armed men after it travelled through the Suez Canal and was heading south through the Bab al-Mandab Strait from Turkey en route to Pibavov in India. Late last week, the International Maritime Security Construct issued an advisory to all mariners in the Red Sea and the Bab al-Mandab Strait between Yemen and Djibouti, warning ships to stay away as far as possible from Yemeni waters and recommended travel at night. 25 crew members on board, mainly from Ukraine, Bulgaria, the Philippines, and Mexico, have been treated in accordance with Islamic principles and values, the Houthi rebels' spokesman Yahya Sari said in a statement. He reiterated the Yemeni warning to all ships with Israeli links that they will become a legitimate target. And urged people in the red sea to avoid any activity involving israeli ships or ships owned by israelis and the most vulnerable patients at al shifa hospital dozens of prematurely born babies in critical condition have been evacuated to the south of the gaza strip of the 39 babies who've been left without incubators when al shifa hospital was left short of fuel and medical supplies after israeli forces raided wednesday 31 made it out Mohammed Zakut, Director General of the hospitals in Gaza, told journalists that all 31 Premier babies in Al-Shifa Hospital have been evacuated, along with three doctors and two nurses, and preparations are underway for them to enter in Egypt. Israeli forces ordered the doctors' patients and displaced people at the hospital to evacuate the medical compound, forcing some to leave by gunpoint, doctors and Palestinian officials told Al Jazeera at the weekend. A WHO team that visited the hospital on Saturday reported that there were still hundreds of patients there, including many in extremely critical condition, trauma patients with severely infected wounds, and others with spinal injuries who are unable to move. Patients and health staff with whom they spoke were terrified for their safety and health and pleaded for evacuation, the agency said, describing Al Shefa as a death zone. Doctors said that four babies had died during the raid, The Ministry of Health says more than 200 patients injured are still stuck in the hospital, unable to leave. With more, we pick up this report from Al Jazeera's Yumna El Sayed.
2: 31 of the premature children that were in a Shifa medical complex have now reached the Emirati Hospital in Rafah. The total number of these premature children was originally 39, but eight of them did not make it after the Israeli forces taking over a Shifa medical complex had destroyed the oxygen station and because of the lack of fuel and the destroying of all generators and solar panels in a Shifa medical complex, there was no electricity for the incubators of these premature babies. Eight of them died and 31 have come here, the doctors tell us that four of them are in severe condition. And as you can see with us, at least every incubator has from three to four premature children because of the lack of incubators in this hospital.
1: The majority of the children present were clearly exposed during the last eight days when they were transferred from incubators to other departments that were not prepared to receive them to services
3: below the standard required for them and it's clear that they lost weight and that there's a clear drop in temperatures. Yesterday two of them died. It is clear that some of them suffered from vomiting, diarrhea and blood poisoning.
2: The medical staff here are pushing to their limits to try to save these premature children. But with the lack of resources and capabilities, the struggle is great. You may see it, Al Jazeera, the Emirati Hospital in Rafah.
1: Israel's Otsma Yehudit party has submitted a bill mandating the death penalty for terrorists, which will be debated this week. I expect all members of the Knesset to support this important law, Otsma Yehudit leader, And Israel's National Security Minister, Itamar Ben-Gavir, wrote on X at Saturday. Israel abolished the death penalty for murder in 1952. The last execution took place in 1962 when Adolf Eichmann, one of the architects of the Holocaust, was hanged for war crimes and crimes against humanity bill introducing capital punishment was brought before the knesset in early march the bill which would allow judges to hand down death penalty verdicts to people convicted of committing hate motivated murder of israeli citizens was approved by mps in its preliminary meeting ben gavir is known for making harsh and often inflammatory comments about the palestinians in august the us and eu criticized the politician for suggesting that the right of israelis to travel freely across the west bank was much more important than some rights of palestinian arabs And Joseph Bouquet has become Liberia's new leader after his rival and sitting president George Weah conceded a tight election to mark a peaceful transfer of power in a region that has recently seen many military coups. The country's election commission said on Friday that the 78-year-old Bouquet, a former vice president, had managed to secure a narrow victory with 50.9% of the vote to Weah's 49.1% with almost all the votes counted. The Liberian people have spoken and we have heard their voice we are said in an address to the nation. I urge you to follow my example and accept the result of the elections, he said, adding that our time will come again in 2029 when a six-year term in office ends. The result marks a considerable shift compared with 2017 when former international football star weir had succeeded in defeating bouquet comfortably by garnering 62 percent of the vote he had ridden a wave of public hope to the presidency promising to combat poverty Develop the country's ailing infrastructure and crack down on injustice and corruption. But voters grew disillusioned over time, and the 57-year-old WIA was accused of failing to live up to his election promises to improve conditions in the West African nation, regardless of the results of the vote. The fact that the president conceded even before the final official tally was announced is significant as the region has seen eight military coups in the past three years, raising concerns about the fall or fail of the democratic process. But Bukay told supporters who took to the streets in the capital of Monrovia after he was declared the winner to celebrate. Bouquet told the Reuters news agency after the results were announced that we have a job ahead of us to do and I'm excited that the citizens have given us approval. First and foremost, we want to have a message of peace and reconciliation, he said. His victory comes as Liberia is trying to recover from two civil wars between 1989 and 2003 that killed at least a quarter of a million people and an Ebola outbreak in the mid-2010s that killed thousands. And Argentinians have cast their balance and are ready. Well, a new leader has in fact been declared between the embattled economy minister, Sergio Massa, and the libertarian outsider javier Millet amid a crippling economic chaos the two men were competing on sunday represents starkly different futures for latin america's third largest economy creaking under triple digit inflation after decades of debt financial mismanagement and currency volatility
4: javier Milei calls himself the lion he claims he has the strength to carry out the reforms needed to get the country out of its current crisis The far-right candidate promises to dollarize the broken economy and fight inflation by shutting down the central bank.
2: We entered the 20th century as one of the richest countries in the world. Today we are at 130 and in decadence. We have 45% poverty, 10% are living in extreme poverty, and inflation is running at 300%.
4: Millet is a harsh critic of China and other leftist governments, including neighboring Brazils. For many, he's the Argentine version of Donald Trump. Millet says Argentines will have to pick between the political caste that has ruined this country and freedom, the values that are enshrined in his political party. The problem is that for many people in this country, his ideals are inapplicable in Argentina. Many believe he's a threat to democracy. Chief among them, his opponent, Sergio Massa, Massa is the current economy minister who promises to unite Argentina and carry out necessary reforms to jumpstart the country's economic fortunes. Even though while in government, he has been unable to control soaring inflation.
5: I'll give my skin and soul and all my strength to build a country that today remains a utopia for all of us, but we can make it come true.
4: Massa's campaign has been highly charged because of the ongoing economic situation and fear for the radical reforms Millet could carry out.
6: I believe that with Massa we will have
5: our differences, but we will be able to go to the streets and hold protests. With Millet, we won't have that option. There's going to be repression and more poverty.
4: Polls predict a technical tie. Many remain unconvinced on who to support. In an election, that will define Argentina's future. Teresa Bo, Al Jazeera, Buenos Aires.
1: Meanwhile, Sergio Massa has now officially conceded defeat, making Millay the president-elect with a final tally for Millay of 55.7% to Massa's 44.2%. And Indian authorities are exploring new ways to rescue 40 construction workers trapped underground for more than a week. Although they are being supplied with food and water, a doctor said some of the men were getting ill, and have been vomiting and getting headaches state authorities have approved buying equipment and more manpower to implement options such as constructing escape tunnels from the left and right sides of the tunnel rescue teams had been drilling non-stop to reach the stranded workers since acquiring the high power drilling machine on thursday but given the fragile mountain terrain there were concerns of more debris falling and further complicating the rescue efforts we have decided to go with a pause-and-go approach to maintain the equilibrium. Anshu Manish a Kalko, Director of State-run Highway Management Company, National Highways and Infrastructure Development Corporation Limited, said on Friday, the rescuers have 60 metres of debris between themselves and the trapped men. According to Calco, pipes designed for the rescue mission have been successfully inserted into approximately 25 metres of the debris. However, there remains an additional stretch to cover more before reaching the 40 workers. Pipes are being inserted into the freshly drilled hole and are being welded together, he explained. These interconnected pipes will provide an escape passage for the stranded men, enabling them to move beyond the section of the tunnel that has collapsed. In an update on Sunday, Dharmi told Indian news agency ANI that saving everyone's life is our first priority. The Skate Date government is ready to give all help required to all agencies, adding that these expert teams are working on all the possibilities available to rescue these men. The tunnel is part of Prime Minister Modi's ambitious Himalayan Char Dam Highway project multi-million dollar infrastructure plan to improve connectivity in the state of Utah, Khand and better access important pilgrimage locations. And the Japanese economy has slipped into a contraction in the period from July to September, hitting two straight quarters of growth. According to government data released last week, GDP in the world's third largest economy contracted 2.1% in the third quarter in a much sharper climb than a decline in a median market projection for an annualised 0.6% drop. The slump followed an expansion of four and a half percent in the second quarter given the absence of a growth engine it wouldn't surprise me if the japanese economy contracted again in the current quarter the risk of japan falling into recession cannot be ruled out said takish minami chief economist at the Norishukan research institute the weak growth and the spectre of slowing inflation could delay the bank of japan's exit from negative interest rates he added the slowdown has been attributed to stubbornly high inflation that is squeezing household consumption and weak external demand from China and elsewhere, adding pressure on Japanese manufacturers. Consumption was unchanged between July and September after sliding 0.9% in the previous quarter, falling short of The Economist's median estimate for 0.2% growth, data has shown. The disappointing third quarter reading serves as a sobering reminder that the country is not yet out of the woods, said Stefan Ungrick, senior economist at Moody's Analytics. Inflation adjusted real wages, an indicator of consumer purchasing power, dropped by 2.4% in September year on year, marking the 18th straight month of declines. Coming up after the break, Ukraine gets a $1.1 billion loan from the IMF. This is Compass on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Jeremy Nell and Germ Warfare. I feel like they've hijacked some words that have meaning, sustainable and development, because now if I use the word sustainable, I feel like I'm swearing. When
3: you go
5: onto the United Nations website, so if you go and look at their their documentation, for example, around Agenda Agenda 2030, what you get is the kind of glossy
1: brochure Mm -hmm. image of sustainable development. And really when you look through that public-facing brochure, I think it's probably probably a reasonable description of it, of sustainable development, that's all you get. You, You just get the sound bites and you just get the claims about how wonderful it is going to be. The UN states that the agenda is an agenda for transformation of the world.
5: Most, perhaps acutely, its economy, its industrial processes, and perhaps something that is often overlooked, us, our societies
0: and us as individuals, we are to be transformed as well. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
6: Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere
0: to find out more go to tntradio.live from world news to global policies and beyond this is compass with jason olborn on today's news talk tnt radio
1: welcome back the ukrainian government expects to receive 1.1 billion dollars from the world bank Prime Minister Denis Shmagal said Saturday, adding that the money will be used for social benefits, education, medicine and other priorities. The Prime Minister added that the country also expects to obtain €162 million in financial support from the European Investment Bank as part of the programs to restore Ukraine, while $190 million and $70 million would be allocated by Norway and Switzerland, respectively. Meanwhile, financial, military, humanitarian, and refugee assistance provided by the EU member states to Ukraine has already amounted to about $89 billion, with a B. In April, Ukrainian Finance Minister Sergei Marchenko said the monthly deficit of the Ukrainian budget had totaled $5 billion, with two-thirds covered by foreign loans and grants, while three-quarters of spending goes to military needs. In August, the Finance Ministry reported that Ukraine's national debt had exceeded $132 billion, having increased by $4 billion in July alone. The IMF previously projected that a Ukraine state debt would amount to 88% of GDP in this year and would exceed 100% of GDP by 2025. And many foreign mercenaries recruited by Ukraine soon opt to flee the country after experiencing the gruesome reality of the battlefield – an army officer told CNN on Sunday. Moscow has previously said that Kiev is using soldiers from other countries as cannon fodder to breach Russian defences. In an interview with the american network lieutenant dmitry kostyuk said while some mercenaries join the fray because they are attracted to the romance of war others go because they see fighting as their personal or professional activity or even because it is a good line on their resume as a rule they do not realize what they are getting into many people imagine our war is a gunfight with the enemy but they don't realize how much artillery there is And you just sit under fire all day every day and may not see the enemy at all koscik noted that while unlike ukrainian citizens foreigners are free to terminate a contract with the military after seeing what the hostilities look like almost half the people said no no this is too much this is not the kind of war we signed up for, the officer claimed. The Russian military has repeatedly warned that foreign mercenaries recruited by Ukraine are viewed as a legitimate target, having launched long-range missile strikes on their training camps on numerous occasions. And pundit and comic Bill Maher told former DNC chair Donna Brazile that this problem with President Joe Biden running in 2024 isn't that Biden's too old, It's that he's going to lose. On Friday night's edition of HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher, he spoke with Brazil and former Congressman Adam Kinzinger in the overtime segment about politics and the 2024 race. Brazil did not express any specific confidence in a Biden win, but did reply that he's won after having been predicted to lose before. I do not count out Joe Biden, she said.
5: Okay, what do you think of prominent Democrats like David Axelrod calling for Biden to, quote, get out or get going? Did he say that? Get out or get going? Uh,
7: I believe in a mm. tweet or two and some stuff. Look, mm, people that's... who think that Joe Biden is, is, is perhaps too old, they're right.
5: Perhaps. <laughs> don't, don't spill the water. Something might come out of it. Uh, <laughs> It's not that, <laughs> a- you know, everyone ages differently. I agree. I've said, and, I've... and you know, so, so Betty White lived to be 99. No. Mick Jagger is still twisting his ass. Mr. Teese, right. no, no, T- I have I, been the one making that case year after year here, against ageism. I always said it's a case-by-case case basis. It's but, a case-by-case. But, by but case. for that argument to have teeth, it all, you also have to be the person who can go, yeah, but this is the case. And it, I, I've said it before. Do I think Joe Biden can do the job? Absolutely. Yes. I don't think he can win the job. And that's what I care about. He's going to lose because the people think he's too old. And perception is reality. I'm sorry.
1: Optus chief executive Kelly bayer Rosemarin has resigned from the troubled telco after a massive outage cut off more than 10 million Australians from phone and internet services earlier this month it was the second reputational disaster of Miss Bayer Rosmarin's watch after last year's cyber attack where her response like the outage was widely criticized Bayer Rosmarin said that it had been an honor to serve as the Optus CEO but that it was an appropriate time to step down I've come to the decision that my resignation is in the best interests of Optus moving forward," she said. "It's been an honour and a privilege to lead the team at Optus and to serve our customers. I'm proud of the team's many achievements and grateful for the support of the Optus team and the group itself. I wish everyone in the company every success in the future." Chief Financial Officer Michael Venter will act as interim CEO. And Joel Geriot, a French senator and member of the centrist Horizons party, was arrested on Thursday amid allegations that he drugged a female MP without her knowledge or consent after she became ill at his home, prosecutors said Friday. Sandrine Jesso, who reports indicate has known Geriot for more than 10 years felt unwell after accepting an alcoholic drink at the Paris home of the 66 year old senator on Tuesday. The 48 year old member of the National Assembly sought medical treatment and tests, then revealed the presence of the drug ecstasy in her system, prompting her to file a complaint. A criminal complaint at that, authorities in the French capital said. Gerio was arrested Wednesday evening. The Paris public prosecutor's office confirmed in a statement to Politico without their knowledge a suspicion of administering to a person a substance which may alter their judgment or control over their actions in order to commit rape or sexual assault, Prosecutors added that ecstasy was found at Jerio's home during the raid. Jasso was said to be in a state of shock following the incident, her lawyer Julia Minkowski told AFP. Jerio's Horizons Party is part of President Emmanuel Macron's parliamentary coalition. In 2016, Jerio drew media attention when an image of his male genitalia was published on his Twitter account. He later claimed that his account had been hacked. If convicted, Jerry faces up to five years in prison and a fine of up to 75,000 euro. And coming up after the news headlines, Elon Musk is suing Media Matters for manipulating its algorithm in an attempt to steer advertisers away from its platform. This is Compass on TNT Radio. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
0: Here
1: is the news.
6: Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has defended this week's raid on Gaza's largest hospital. Turkey's president has declared Israel a terrorist state, warning Netanyahu his days as Prime Minister are numbered. And Moscow has warned there is a real possibility diplomatic relations between the US and Russia could be severed entirely if Washington keeps pushing confrontational policies.
0: The Common Housefly Caught in the Clutches of the Spider's
1: Web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then Dinner time.
0: Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website.
3: Oh. Dinner's ready.
0: Oh man. Escape is futile.
1: Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. Tntradio.live. Welcome back. In some breaking news now, Western Australia has enacted a fresh mask mandate commencing today in high-risk hospital settings for patients and staff. The latest COVID data up to November 8 reveals that only 1.9 million Australians aged 18 and up are considered recently vaccinated or vaccinated within the last six months. For younger Australians, the take-up of a booster dose has stalled. Only 5.5% of Australians aged 18 to 64 years are rolling up their sleeves for the jab. And only 39% of aged care residents across the country have received a COVID booster in the last six months. And in the next segment, I'll do a deep dive into the behaviour of Anthony Fauci, and featuring some information from Dr. Peter McCullough that's coming up after the next break. Meanwhile, Elon Musk has announced a lawsuit against Media Matters and those who colluded with them in an attempt to smear his website X. What happened? Well, Media Matters ran an alternate account and was refreshing the feed at an alarming rate in an attempt to get ads to appear next to what is condemned bad content. The reality is the content was only seen by one or two people, including the Media Matters account that published the An ex-executive has disclosed that the content highlighted in Media Matters article constituted a mere 50 out of 5.5 billion ad impressions served throughout the entire day. In reality, virtually no authentic users encountered those ads, juxtaposed with the mentioned content, except for Media Matters employees who intentionally exploited the system to locate such material. So how did Media Matters achieve it? They created three new accounts, each following only a small number of accounts posting objectionable material. By relentlessly refreshing their timeline 13 times more frequently than an average user might, they were able to capture screenshots of major corporate advertisements alongside the targeted content. This revelation exposes Media Matters calculated strategy, generating these screenshots as leverage to compel major advertisers to withdraw their ads from X, deceptive manipulative or evil x actually did what they said they'd do they limited the reach of anything offensive what media matters wants is for the internet to be completely regulated so only the content they agree with can be shared they're using advertisers and manipulating data to achieve it so a lawyer take on x media matters conspired to defraud it and intentionally interfere with the business relationship between x and its advertisers out of a hate for Elon Musk and a purported free speech social media platform on Monday November 20 2023 in a federal civil action Media Matters created an unaffiliate X account and gained the X algorithm so that the blue chip brand ads like those from appeared next to posts allegedly made by Holocaust deniers anti lgbtq advocates and neo-Nazi groups into Alia the case will be set when it's Monday in the US. Media Matters then wrote an article link that berated Musk and X for alleged hate conduct, and then funneled that article to major X advertisers. It caused advertisers like those big names to abandon the X platform, which will cost X hundreds of millions of dollars. And you can expect X to request damages in the billions and expect media matters and other defendants to settle before the trial. The saddest part, asks the lawyer on X, is the major corporations that fell for the manipulation and deception. Although these companies know that the ad views were representing less than 50 of five and a half billion uh, views or impressions in a day, that it was all manufactured outrage. And this really is an excuse for the modern corporate political establishment. who believe in censorship of all dissident voices to silence the only big tech platform advocating for freedom of speech. Reuters covered the story earlier today and provided a different
6: but perhaps expected narrative. The launch of SpaceX's uncrewed Starship was presumed to have failed on Saturday after contact with the uncrewed spacecraft was lost, but SpaceX's owner Elon Musk has vowed to launch something else on Monday, legal action against a liberal media watchdog. Musk announced on his social media platform X, formerly known as Twitter, that he would bring a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters for America for what he called a fraudulent attack on his company. Media Matters has said it found corporate advertisements by IBM, Apple, Oracle and Comcast's Xfinity were being placed alongside anti-Semitic content. It's seen many other major brands, including Disney, pause advertising on the platform. Musk said in a statement that the watchdog had completely misrepresented the real experience on X and created and curated the posts to misinform advertisers and undermine freedom of speech. Media Matters did not immediately respond to an emailed request seeking comment outside of business hours. Advertisers have fled the site since Musk bought it last year and reduced content moderation, resulting in a sharp rise in hate speech, according to civil rights groups. Musk himself this week endorsed an anti-Semitic post on X that falsely claimed members of the Jewish community were stoking hatred against white people. White House spokesperson Andrew Bates on Friday condemned the endorsement of what it called a hideous anti-Semitic conspiracy theory and accused Musk of an abhorrent promotion of anti-Semitic and racist hate that runs against our core values as Americans.
1: Former President Donald Trump praised House Speaker Mike Johnson for having the courage and fortitude to begin releasing over 40,000 hours of footage from the January 6, 2021 Capitol incident. The tapes of which roughly 90 hours have already been released, with more expected to come, show the Capitol premises during the events of January 6 when protesters angered by what they saw as a stolen 2020 presidential election storming the Capitol. Congratulations to the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, for having the courage and fortitude to release all the J6 tapes, which all explicitly reveal what really happened on January 6th, Trump wrote in a post on Truth Social. President Trump's political rivals have sought to portray the events of January 6th as an insurrection. And In April 2021, the House approved a single article of impeachment against the former president, accusing him of inciting violence against the government of the US. More recently, Trump's opponents launched legal efforts in several states to block him from being listed from balance in the 2024 presidential race on 14th Amendment grounds, seeking to portray him as the instigator of the incident. These cases in Colorado, Michigan, Minnesota and elsewhere basically argue that the former president took part in an insurrection by giving an impassioned speech on January 6th before the Capitol breach occurred. Trump said in his speech that protesters should peacefully patriotically make your voices heard as some of his critics have seized on a portion of his remarks where he said we will fight like hell and if you don't fight like hell you're not giving to have a country you're not going to have a country anymore as a call for violence the former president has on numerous occasions denied calling for violent protests while insisting he meant his remarks about fighting like hell metaphorically President Trump's legal team has pushed back against the reasoning behind the 14th Amendment cases, arguing that the attempt to block the former president from the ballot are fringe theories and undemocratic. Judges in three states, Colorado, Michigan, and Minnesota, have now ruled against the plaintiffs who sued to prevent Trump from appearing on the ballot, with the judge in Colorado being the latest to decide in favor of the former president. We applaud today's ruling in Colorado, which is another nail in the coffin of the un-American ballot challenges, Trump's campaign said in a statement. Mike Johnson meanwhile said in a statement that 40,000 of the 44,000 hours of video from Capitol Hill taken on January 6th would be posted online. He said that around 5% of the footage would be withheld because it contains sensitive security information and that the faces of private citizens captured on video would be blurred out to protect them from retaliation. This decision will provide millions of Americans, criminal defendants, public interest organizations, and the media an ability to see for themselves what happened that day, rather than having to rely upon the interpretation of a small group of government officials, Johnson said in a statement. Speaker's decision to release the footage came amid mounting pressure from the public and defendants of the event to get access to the security video. Meanwhile, former Speaker McCarthy earlier this year said he would release the footage, but that commitment never resulted in the public getting direct access. And from Tarek Johnson, the former lieutenant of the US Capitol Police, he says, I know everyone is excited about the video footage being released, but we shouldn't take our foot off the gas. You still need the separation agreement Pittman negotiated with Manger and all the NDA's USCP employees were forced to sign under Pittman and Manger to conceal the dereliction and malfeasance in the preparation for what occurred on January 6th when the intelligence was there. My tweets don't go far anymore as I released too much information on X, so I had to be muted additionally it's looking more and more likely i won't be allowed to testify before congress as my testimony would be so damning so someone else will have to pick up the baton god bless and after the break a top deputy to dr anthony fauci indicated in a newly uncovered email that he purposefully did not keep records that he knew would be sought by the public and congressional investigators this is compass on tnt radio
0: give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Thanksgiving's less
5: than a week away, and if you're planning on taking your kids to the Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's Parade in New York City, or watching it on TV with the kids, think again, give serious consideration, because Fox News reports that as of Tuesday, 20,000 outraged people have signed a petition posted by one million people. Moms, protesting the inclusion of two Broadway shows in the parade, both of which featured transgender and non-binary performers in major roles. Yes, indeed. Think again. Here's Kristen Wagoner with Alliance Defending Freedom.
2: Just another example of an ideological war that's being waged on families and customers are saying they've had enough, but it seems that corporate brands that were once trusted just still aren't getting the message. I think you're seeing parents stand up, rise up, and say, we're going to parent, and we expect our family-friendly events to truly be family-friendly and not teach our children values that we object to. We need to understand very clearly that these ideologies that are being peddled in films and in our school systems are designed to pit children against their parents and it's time for parents to not stand on the sidelines, but to truly use their influence.
5: Folks, don't let your kids be indoctrinated. Find something else to do. Don't let them watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Make sure you tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy, Ethan.
1: My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center, and MDA is the only one that funds over 150
3: care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me.
5: For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures, and MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today.
0: You're with Jason Olborn and Compass on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Welcome back. The top deputy to Dr. Anthony Fauci's indicated in a newly uncovered email that he purposefully did not keep records that he knew would be sought by the public and congressional investigators. I have retained very few emails or documents on these matters and continue to request that correspondence on sensitive issues be sent to me at my gmail address dr david moren's the deputy wrote in the june 17 2021 missive senator ron johnson obtained the email and included it in a letter to health secretary xavier Becerra. dr moren's wrote to the colleagues after senators including johnson wrote to the then national institutes of health director dr francis collins asking for documents on how the NIH handled the COVID-19 pandemic, which started in a city that features a laboratory that can run risky tests with funds from the NIH. Based on this email, it appears that Marenz may have intentionally deleted or destroyed records relating to the origins of COVID-19, given his admission that he has retained very few emails or documents on these matters, Johnson told Becerra Further, Dr Moran's stated preference to receive correspondence on sensitive issues through Gmail shows an apparent evasion of federal record keeping requirements and a complete disregard for transparency. The Department of Health and Human Services, which includes the NIH, has repeatedly failed to hand over records that Johnson has requested, the Senator noted. Marenz's apparent actions may have directly obstructed my oversight efforts he wrote, and Baque's agency did not respond to a request for comment. Marenz is the senior advisor to the director of the NIAID an NIH institute that was headed until late 2022 by Dr. Fauci. Morinz has worked for the agency for more than two decades. The title of the email was confidential without our small group, please, according to Senator Johnson. In the missive obtained previously in the US House of Representatives panel investigating the pandemic, Morinz wrote to a group of scientists that I try to always communicate on Gmail because my NIH email is foired constantly under the freedom of information act members of the public can request information like emails from the federal government rents disclosed in the july 9 2021 email that his gmail had been hacked and until it can get it fixed i may have to occasionally email from my nih account don't worry just send to any of my addresses and i'll delete anything i don't want to see in the new york times he also wrote Meanwhile, Michael Chamberlain, director of the watchdog pub Protect the Public's Trust, told the Epoch Times in an email that the missive showed a pretty brazen effort to avoid public records requirements. The law provides in part that people who attempt to conceal or destroy government records face criminal prosecution. Johnson, meanwhile, referred the matter to Christine Grimm the Inspector General for the Department of Health and Human Services, Johnson said that Maren's email talking about deleting records reveal an attempt to limit public access to certain communications directly related to COVID-19, potentially in violation of federal record keeping requirements. In a new letter this week, Johnson pressed Grimm on what action, if any, has been taken while noting the email he had uncovered a spokesperson for Grimm's office told the Epoch Times via email that the office received the letter and are reviewing it to determine the appropriate response what are these medical health authorities really up to why are they deliberately hiding such information and why are medical authorities always preferring to look the other way despite the protestations why would these health professionals not want to know where the virus came from unless they made it themselves for whatever reasons profit control or an agenda this show we have explained how a group of organized associates appear to be working together to reshape the world the way that they see it let's now cross to dr peter McCullough for what he sees as what is really going on here
7: what's happened is a biopharmaceutical complex has formed this is a syndicate it's a carefully organized syndicate they've been meeting together in davos switzerland for years on this And everybody is in on it that you can see uh, uh, in places of wealth and authority in the world. This complex has figured out that in the setting of a medical emergency, in getting the worldwide impetus behind this, that doors of treasuries of governments all over the world will open and money will pour out into the complex. The complex will invest in itself. The complex will co-opt and collude with anybody they need to accomplish this goal, and they will reward those people with future jobs in the complex. The complex is at the top, we believe, the World Health Organization, the Gates Foundation, The Welcome Trust, the Rockefeller Foundation, the World Health Organization, UN, GAVI, UNITAID, CEPI, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation, formed by Gates and World Economic Forum, all the regulatory agencies. And I could just go roll through them from the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, the TGA, the MHRA, uh, SAFRA in South Africa. They've got them all. And you know the complex is active by just watching the movement. Scott Gottlieb is one of my contemporaries, former FDA commissioner. He's in the complex. He's on the board of Pfizer now. His predecessor, Stephen Hahn, who was very active, as I was active in the early parts of the pandemic, now works for the venture capital firm, supporting and funding Moderna. Recently, a high-ranking official in the UK in the medical response just joined Moderna itself. Deborah Burks, remember her, the scarf lady who's in the uh yes, she's now CEO of a biotech company.
1: As part of the emerging new media, it is incumbent upon us to continually break new ground in terms of explaining the reality that has been grossly underreported in the mainstream. As we chronicle this information, many people will be able to discover what we have known for some time. Let us go back now to the beginning of this saga to learn more about the man who was appointed to be the face of the pandemic and how he breached our our trust by lying to us, yet he is still revered, even if his fundraisers have been cancelled.
3: Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain of function research in the Wuhan Institute. Since the outbreak of the COVID pandemic, Dr. Anthony Fauci has been the face of the government's response to the outbreak. Fauci appears on corporate media outlets as the go-to science advisor to the media on an almost daily basis. This syncophanic reverence from the mainstream media is troubling, not only for how often Fauci's been wrong or been forced to reverse himself, but also for his demonstrated pension for lying. Fauci has historically demonstrated his preference for funding dangerous gain-of-function experiments, repeatedly claiming that the potential rewards outweigh the risks, which is somewhat odd when contrasted with his repeated denials about funding gain-of-function experiments at the Wuhan lab. But that's not the only thing that Fauci has lied about. Fauci has lied about lockdown measures, vaccine efficacy, Therapeutics, the type of work that he funded at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and perhaps most importantly, Fauci lied about and covered up the origins of the virus.
1: That there was Jeff Carlson. Fauci, despite telling us he is or his organizations never did perform gain of function research, here is Hans Monkey showing us how Fauci is once again not telling the truth. Question remains, why and how does he get away with it? This further strengthens Peter McCullough's argument that there is a syndicate involved.
5: In 2014, Fauci's NIAID awarded a $3.7 million grant to Eco Health Alliance, headed by Peter Dazak. As Francis Collins, the then-director of the National Institutes of Health, very belatedly admitted, a portion of that money went directly to the Wuhan, Institute of Virology. When President Trump terminated Dazak's grant in April of 2020, Fauci simply bypassed Trump and gave Dazak a new grant of 7.5 million, twice as much as the original grant. And Christian Anderson, a scientist who privately told Fauci that he was 60 to 70% sure the virus came from a laboratory, but publicly propagandized the natural origin narrative, has received at least an additional $10 million just since the start of the pandemic. Another Fauci-funded virologist who's been pushing Fauci's natural origin narrative, Robert Gary, has received at least $6 million since the start of the pandemic. There are many others. Indeed, all virologists know that their career trajectory is directly tied to complying with Fauci's wishes. But it's not just the billions in taxpayer money that Fauci was controlling and doling out within the virology community, it's what was done with that money and the ongoing lack of oversight which is far more troubling. In 2011, Fauci proclaimed that funding dangerous gain-of-function experiments was a risk worth taking. Then in 2012, Ron Fouché, a Dutch virologist whom Fauci would later rely on to cover up the origins of the COVID pandemic, used Fauci's grant money to make the H5N1 virus airborne. Kawaioka and Fouché constructed variants of H5N1 avian influenza in order to identify which genetic mutations might alter the transmissibility of the virus. In their studies, they employed a standard influenza animal model, namely the ferret. This slide shows the basic design of the experiments in which the virus was modified to allow for aerosol transmission from one ferret to another.
1: Just extraordinary. Is it any wonder that Fauci was determined therefore to push the natural Wuhan wet market theory that a man ate a sick bat, and the species-specific bat coronavirus was now able to cross species. Well, we'll come to that shortly, where Hans monkey will provide that crucial evidence. But first, let's go back and explore why gain-of-function research would want to, one, make a virus airborne and turn a virus not dangerous to humans into one that did. Jeff Carlson digs deeper as he follows the money trail.
5: Why Fauci thought it was a good idea to make a virus that did not pose a risk to humans into a virus that did pose a great risk to humans is unknown. COVID-19 has shown us all how much worse a virus is once it transmits through aerosols. Perhaps it was just hubris. Perhaps it was something more. But the genie was out of the bottle and things would only get worse from there.
3: In 2014, Fauci started funding the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China, the world's prime lab experimenting on bat viruses and also the world's largest repository of such viruses. But it wasn't simply the funding. It was the prestige and reputational bolstering that came with it. For China and the Wuhan lab, the science community recognitions that came with NIAID funding far exceeded the funding itself. Unsurprisingly, going forward, the Wuhan lab made sure to mention the NIAID in its publications and projects. Only a year later, in 2015, the Wuhan lab's director, Shi Zhang Li, was afforded the opportunity to collaborate with the so-called godfather of gain-of-function experiments, Ralph Berrick of the University of North Carolina. That collaboration, funded by Fauci's NIH, led to the transfer of important tools and know-how, including humanized mice, from the United States to China. The collaboration also led to a highly controversial study in which Barrick and Xi created chimeric viruses that were virulent in humans, leading to immediate warnings from the scientific community that the only impact of this work is the creation, in a lab, of a new non-natural risk. Not only did Fauci fail to heed these warnings, he made matters exponentially worse by explicitly allowing the Wuhan lab to use taxpayer funds to continue to conduct dangerous gain-of-function experiments on bat viruses in communist-controlled China. This decision came despite the Obama administration's ban on such experiments. When his own China representative, Chen Ping, issued several warnings about the Wuhan lab, including the fact that she'd been denied access and that the lab was engaged in secretive nanotechnology experiments, Fauci again did nothing. The funding simply continued.
1: So how do we know that Fauci's warning that Donald Trump would certainly receive a surprise pandemic outbreak during his term in office? And how do we know that something is amiss with the way in which this syndicate covers its tracks Let's give the last word to Hans Monkey.
5: A major red flag arose in 2018 when EcoHealth, the organization through whom Fauci was funding the Wuhan lab, applied for US government funds to manipulate bat viruses by inserting a furin cleavage site, the precise feature that distinguishes COVID-19 from all other SARS-related coronaviruses. That work was to be carried out at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Soon after, in 2019, EcoHealth failed to submit a routine annual report on its activities at the Wuhan lab. That report would have potentially covered the work in the 2018 proposal to insert a furin cleavage site. Inexplicably, Fauci's organization gave EcoHealth a pass, and the money kept flowing despite the missing report. As any junior researcher can testify, it is unheard of that additional research money is released when legally required reports are missing. That just does not happen.
1: So now we can understand that the virus was being tinkered with at Wuhan. We can explore how the virus and others were being manufactured in other places even around the world. Makes for the perfect crime. At every point along the way, there is another member of authority using their position to block or deflect scrutiny of the plot that makes or looks more and more like Hegelian dialect's most perfect crime problem reaction solution, complete with a recipe book for what appears to be the plot. A faulty and hurried vaccine is created using brand new potentially breakthrough technology that was prepared with indemnity for the manufacturers backed by governments around the world including the world health organization that is privately run doing so because the people demanded it out of fear created by said government and backed up by the media who never scrutinized and if they dared would be excluded or mocked with the worst possible outcomes the highest level of injuries caused by an experiment